Off the ball. He's an absolute rascal. He sits there with a hand grenade, and every time there's a, there's a lull in the conversation, <laughs> he just gets one out and lobs it in. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Well, Kenny, it doesn't look like we're going to get a grand finale to this Premier League title race. Arsenal beaten 3-0 by Brighton. They just run out of steam. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Yeah, I wouldn't beat them up too much. Uh, it was a poor performance today, but they played with a team kind of lacking real belief that this title race was still up for grabs. I think sometimes you can give it a big talk in the dressing room as the manager, I'm sure, during the week. He was talking up the significance of this game and trying to instill a bit of belief in the players that, you know, three wins could still maybe wrestle the title away from Manchester City. But probably looked as if I'd, I'd be surprised if only too many of the players were buying it. I think they realised they made um, the points drop prior to the game today were the ones that ultimately will uh, prove uh, decisive. You mentioned it yourself on the commentary there. In particular, the I thought the result of West Ham, you can never point out one game in particular, but... I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's just that West Ham game. They went ahead early in the game, Nathan, didn't they? You just felt like grab the game by the scruff and they get it done. They didn't allow West Ham into the game and those points surrendered that day in particular. You always look back and and think, you know, that was that was hugely significant. So, yeah, yeah. So those moments ultimately have proved crucial. Yes, they lost the game today and deservedly lost the game. But yeah, the damage was caused previously. It was a strange performance from Arsenal today and how flat it was, particularly when you consider it this time last week when they played Newcastle, which was a ferocious encounter. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It, I think it was that, almost as if the flatness of Brighton in the first half, that they, yeah. they responded to that. No, it needed a big start, yeah, you're right, because I'm talking about the lack of belief amongst the players, probably there amongst the supporters as well, you know, football supporters and uh, Phil's. They would have known what mountain those Arsenal players had to climb the remainder of a few games of the season. So you're looking for something that early parts of the game, 10, 15 minutes, start off quickly, get your passing game going, create a few chances, maybe an early goal. That gets the crowd involved in the game. That kind of energises the stadium and you're kind of on your way a little bit. But that never happened. It was a bit disjointed early in the game. Yes, there was a couple of fouls and a few stoppages in play, but it was all a little bit too slow from an Arsenal uh, point of view. And they just never did, never really found that kind of fluency to the game which we've seen for large uh, chunks of the season and really Brighton were the team who weren't at their best either first half overall it was a poor quality game you'd have to say first half uh, for teams of that quality but um, yeah if Brighton found their feet second half give the Zerbi a bit of credit made a couple of uh, changes which I think helped them yeah and they're by far the stronger team of the second half and deserved a win If you were looking at it then from Mikel Arteta's point of view was there anything he could have done differently over the last six weeks? I wouldn't be. Oh, yeah. Look, we all, we're all, we're all, you know, we're all great managers, aren't we? And coaches on the sidelines, and uh, hindsight's a hindsight's a wonderful thing. I always felt in the run in. I mean, it was only six weeks ago. I still kind of fancied them. I, I gave Arsenal uh, the edge, but they lost, as soon as they lost Saliba at centre half, and it looked as if they weren't going to get him at, uh, back on the pitch. I thought that was a almost a mortal blow. I always felt there was a couple of players in that Arsenal team they couldn't afford to be without Nathan going into the the final running of the season. That's not the case with Manchester City. Take two or three players out of that City team, maybe Harland apart, you feel as if they could accommodate any anybody in terms of the depth of the squad. Not so much Arsenal. And Saliba was one of those players, you know, putting the holding in there for a the period of time. He was a you know, decent enough slogger at centre half, but probably not up to the level uh, that they need at that stage of the season. Even 
Now, Kiwar came in today. You just felt they were searching a little bit in that area of the pitch. They were a little bit um, under strength uh, at a crucial point of the season in a, sig- a significant area of the pitch and maybe just lost a little bit of confidence uh, uh, because of that. You've played the game, so you can explain what Jacob Kiwar was thinking about uh, in the build-up to that first goal, <laughs> which which really was a crucial moment. Obviously, an opening goal is always going to be, but we were sort of confused when we were doing our commentary as to how suddenly Enciso finds himself in acres of space, four yards out, when three seconds later, or three seconds earlier, when the first ball had come through, there was somebody marking him, and Evan Ferguson sort of stands on the back of his heel, his boot comes off. I don't know, is it not beaten into every professional that you stand your ground no matter what in that when you're having yeah. to defend well it's what you have to do you have to you know you have to realise the significance of the moment and Arsenal hadn't cleared it wasn't as if the ball had been cleared outside the 18 yard box and you feel as if maybe you've got a moment that wasn't the case the ball was still in the danger area um, Esputina was just in the process of putting the cross back into the box you know, you've got in season when you're inside shoulder four yards out, every kind of, every antenna inside you there as defender is screaming at you to stay focused and stay concentrated. Yeah, it would have pinched a little bit. We've, all, we've always been there in the penalty box, a clumsy uh, clumsy forward stands on your toe or kind of rakes you accidentally down the back of your foot, but you just got to take it. You kind of suck it up and you stay in your feet and you clear your danger and then potentially a deal with a five, ten seconds down the road. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to overplay it in terms of, oh, this is typical of kind of Arsenal of old t- type. That's, that's what will be said. That's, <laughs> that's what will be said, yeah. That's the softness. Yeah, but in that moment, it was. Years. But I suppose in that moment, Nathan, that's what it was. Like, a little bit of kind of uh, softness mentally. you just got to be... Uh, just got to be stronger. I'm not saying they lost the game on a on account of that, but yeah, just that central defensive position. It's not the only one, like I said. It'll be very interesting the summer. Arteta, it's a big moment for the club, I think, actually, in the summer. They've had a wonderful uh, season, but they can't sit on their, on their laurels. And I think Arteta will know that. I think he's shrewd enough to know that his team, his squad, is, uh, is certainly short in some areas of the pitch. And he'll be going cap and hand to the board and to Adu in particular. I think he's got on side. I think he's lucky in that respect and they've got a good relationship with them too. I think they'll know the squad has to be reinforced. The players themselves are in that squad at the moment. They need a little bit of help. I think there's still a couple that may need to go out as well. He may have to um, push the pieces around the board a little bit. But I think they're in a very good place, Arsenal. There's some outstanding individual talent within that squad. In the context of the season, it's been a phenomenal season for the football club, but they have to build on it. They can't stand still because the teams around are going to go again, reinvest significantly in the summer, and they're going to have to match that and see are the ones they catch for obvious reasons. I guess they've just found out how relentless it is at the end of a Premier League season when Manchester City are putting that sort of pressure on, 11 straight wins in a row. And it did feel as though uh, an inconsistency came into the play of a lot of those younger players over the past five, six weeks, particularly that three behind Jesus of Saka, Odegaard and Martinelli, who, when you look at the statistics for the season, the amount of goals they've scored and the impact they've had, the three of them in particular just haven't been able to get to that top level often enough over the last while. Is is that is that something they'll learn quite quickly from this year? Or is that just actually, you need to be able to do what Manchester City did today, where they were able to rest Grealish, De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and bring in yeah. Foden, Mares, and yeah. Alvarez. I think that's a fair argument in terms of uh, Guardiola's uh, rotation at this stage of the season when you want your players in peak condition for a, a title run in the Champions, um, yeah, tail end of the Champions League. 
and that's where kind of that squad rotation can help during the during the course of the season. You're saving your players, particularly your kind of uh, key players, and maybe keeping them fresh for the business end of the season. But nobody else can do that. It's the problem. Well, that's yeah. Like, that, this is what Manchester yeah. City have done. Like, yeah, absolutely. Really, we can sit here and argue actually who's better, Foden or Grealish. Who's who's better, Bernardo Silva or Mahrez? Yeah, yeah no, it's true. Yeah, it's true uh, in terms of the quality of depth that they have. Uh, in those positions so that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying Arsenal are going to have to increase that uh, quality and depth you could argue maybe as well is it as simple as that maybe just a bit of uh, tardiness creeping in maybe a little bit kind of the uh, pressure of the situation now we've heaped praise on the likes of Saka and Martinelli of course we have and rightly so I'm huge fans of them all but still very young players first time really they've ever been in this situation at this the business end of the season competing for a, for a title that's not easy I've never been in that situation uh, myself so I couldn't really tell but you know huge expectation huge pressure on the shoulders of those players so I'm sure they'll be better for the experience if it ever uh, repeats itself again that's what they have to hope for that they can go again and put themselves in that position but it's not going to be easy Manchester City are setting a pretty high bar uh, like I said, but you can't you can't cry about it. You know you have to accept it. Uh, that's where they are. That's the level that they're playing at. That's where we need to get. And the criticism of Arsenal would be quite harsh because when you go close and you don't quite get there, will it? Do you, I, from certain quarters, will I just want to ask you that? Do you think any part of what's happened over the past six weeks is is a mental thing, is a mentality thing for Arsenal? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult that from the outside looking in. You talk about there has been a drop off in terms of performance. So we're indicating maybe physical conditions that come into it too many, too many demands on the players, not being able to rotate. So maybe a bit of exhaustion almost, mental exhaustion, tiredness uh, coming into the play. Is a bit more deep root than that in terms of the psychology kind of pressure, pressurized environment that they've had to play. The grown realization as the season went on, well, this is attainable now. We can actually go and win a toy. We need to go and do it now. The kind of pressure on the shoulders uh, of the players and that's a difficult one to analyse from the outside Mikel Arteta is the best one to judge that he works with the players every day he'll have seen the players now in a really kind of pressurised environment he'll know the ones who he can count on he might be looking at Thomas Partey now in centre midfield first half of the season thinking I can hang my hat on this player second half of the season I'm not, I'm not so sure the big games have come along and he's been he's been well short I, can I trust him can I trust him going forward over the course of the season so yeah he'll be kind of asking himself all those questions well we may be saying that to the players but he'll be talking to his background staff and these are the big decisions which he'll have to come to address uh, in the summer but no in terms of like criticism a huge amount of criticism I think that'll be tempered Nathan I'll be surprised you look at where they are at the start of the season where they are now the season that they have and you have to look at it in context of the whole season can't look at it too too narrow with your focus in terms of the last kind of uh, six weeks I think it's been an outstanding season overall for this Arsenal football club they've come on absolute leaps and bounds but they have to build on it. They have. They can't lose the players that they have. The likes of Saka, Martinelli, they continue to be linked with all the all the all the big clubs. Odegaard as well. Maybe even Saliba. Got to keep this squad together. Got to reward the players in terms of kind of contracts. But also have to have to show to the players already the likes of Saka that if you stay at this football club, you are capable of um, competing for Premiership titles for the big. Um, uh, trophies Champions League at this football club and to do that you have to go and get some more players in and some significant players so those those players will look at the players coming through the doors and think well this club's serious they're serious about their title ambitions next year and they're serious about growing the club and actually getting better and I want to be part of that What about Brighton? Uh, shows how far they've come that it didn't feel like they played particularly well today yet they've just gone to Arsenal and won 3-0 I know 
it was like a six out of ten, five five and a half, six out of ten performance. Uh, first half, better second half. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it is amazing how far they've raised the bar. Where you're looking at probably a bit of an indifferent performance uh, from them today. And yes, they've, they've they're walking out of Emirates to the the back of a three 0 victory. Yeah, phenomenal job, absolutely phenomenal job. You have to remember when he came into the football club, Brighton. I think we're fourth when Port left the mm. the football club. Now they're sitting six at the moment. And people are saying, "Oh, he's taking this team uh, to a to a to new heights." So, so maybe well, have so, to. Sorry, let's just get the headline right. You're saying what what he's really done is brought this team into a steep decline. No, I don't. But I I don't quite buy into the fact that oh he's taken this team into a massive new dimension in terms of part. If you look at Port's results, the second half of last season, start to this season. Brian Premier, absolutely phenomenal, you know. So he's taken that on board. And a lot of people, were, I'm sure, were whispering to Zerbi's ear, I'm not sure you want to take this job. This team is, I don't quite agree with the principle, but I understand it when the people say, this team is overachieving. What are you doing taking this team forth in the table? It's only one way they, they can go and it's mm-hmm. down, but he didn't. He backed himself. I think he had a look at it and thought, there's some outstanding talent here. I can work with this maybe even better and, and improve it. So I give him huge credit for that. And yeah, the brand of football that they're playing is phenomenal. And individual players are improving. I'm always impressed with a manager who comes in. Not so much the players he comes in, but the, the squad that he has to work with, Nathan, the individual players, look, he elevates them. They get better. Mentioned about Dunk there at centre-half. Much more complete player. Uh, he's looking at centre-half under kind of the Zerbys, uh, Tutelage. Obviously, Edmund Ferguson um, is growing uh, and getting even better. But you get a bit of a sense of that all around the, uh, the squad. Players are improving. Their game intelligence in terms of what he's asking to do. This is really interesting. I think that can be good as a player when a new manager comes in. The system's a, a little bit different. What he's asking you to do. Players, that really kind of grabs the attention of players. So this is really interesting. And I think fundamentally as a player, if you look at a manager who comes in and very quickly you think, you know, he's going to make me better. The things he's talking about here, what he's asked me, the demands that he's putting on me and other players, this is actually going to get make me better as a player. I think you kind of really buy into that. You can very easily row in behind that. So you get a sense of that. The players are like, they're all on it. Yeah, we're enjoying this. Yeah, we're getting better. We're improving. So yeah, they're in a really good place. I mean, the biggest question is, can they keep... Can they keep their manager? There's some of the big managerial uh, positions uh, available at the moment. I think they're probably all right. They probably got the manager locked down in terms of contract. I don't think there's a ghetto for him in the summer. But certainly, if he repeats next season what he's done in the short period of time that he's been at Brighton, the bigger clubs will certainly be circling. Even the tactical changes he made during the game, like bringing on Danny Welbeck for Billy Gilmore, is not a tactical change you would normally look at and go, this is going to transform the flow. But suddenly, they looked a lot more dominant in midfield when McAllister was playing that little bit deeper and he probably had one of his uh, poor games this yeah. afternoon. It, 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 it's hard to find any weaknesses in what Deserby's doing. Like he's not afraid to take chances. He, you know, again, played Casado right back today. Uh, it felt like it was a big loss in midfield, but he obviously felt that actually yeah. it was worth it. But I thought that was smart. Yeah, I thought that was smart because of the qualities which Martinelli has. We uh, spoke about gross, lovely technical football about 1v1 situations against pace, against natural wing. It was always going to be a struggle. So we recognised, I must say, that was pretty obvious, but even still, uh, some people would have been looking at that Cassiello probably their best midfielder playing him at right back well, I'm not sure about that he's upset the balance of the team maybe there now obviously Martinelli was only on the pitch for 15 minutes thanks to Cassiello <laughs> a lumpy tackle from uh, from behind but lumpy he kept tackle. him there yeah he kept him there for the majority of the game I thought he played well in an orthodox position for him showed his qualities uh, there so give him credit for that deserve. and you're right that changed second half oh, look maybe it had to be made it wasn't happening for them spoke about that partnership of Gross and um, uh, Billy Gilmore midfield looked a bit of a soft centre out of possession not two of the best defenders in that area of the pitch 
But um, yeah, dropping McAllister in there. And I think getting well back higher up the pitch, almost in a central striking position alongside Evan Ferguson. Now, look, they don't play in the traditional way, high up the pitch, up against the two centre-halves. They drop off into the pockets and they kind of rotate. But I think having that extra body high up the pitch, it, uh, I think it helped Brighton. They got the ball in there, the ball stuck, and then people were able to go join in and found a little bit more fluency uh, to their game after that and kind of grew in confidence as the second half went on. Uh, Evan, Evan Ferguson made a big impression in the game, mainly because he stood on <laughs> the Arsenal defender's <laughs> ankle. Uh, his overall game, what was your assessment today? Didn't yeah, have too I, many opportunities in front of goal. No, he didn't. And I suppose if you, if you look, if you critique him today, you might say, and this wouldn't be a criticism, maybe a six and a half, an hour, ten uh, performance. Not that he did anything particularly wrong, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his performance today because Why? it wasn't because it wasn't easy for him today. He wasn't getting the type of ball ideally that he would have wanted. The balls into feet with the right pace. There was balls coming into him getting like exercise missiles uh, today he was coming off the front Gabriel was you know tied to him the balls were like bouncing like bouncing bobs into him it wasn't easy to deal with Gabriel, the Arsenal defenders were getting in contact with him having a bit of a, a wrestle up you know he wasn't getting enough touches on the ball but he didn't get frustrated kept himself in the game just how physically looked really strong his movement was good you know, he looked quite dynamic in his movement in behind as well, Nathan. So, yeah, it was a type of performance where I think as a neutral, he didn't know Evan Ferguson. You looked at the game and thought, yeah, he done okay that, that Brighton, you know, uh, centre forward. You know, you know, you know, it was all right. But I, I, I enjoyed the performance. Like, you know, I didn't see the lad get his head down, get too dispirited, get too frustrated with what was going on around him. I just thought he looked well. He looked, he, he looked to be playing with kind of confidence and enjoying himself so yeah he's in a really good place at the moment yeah I hope the end of the season finishes well for him and obviously he's in peak condition when he comes into the Ireland squad for those uh, crucial games in the summer we'll need him well ever since John O'Shea was on with us last week and said he thinks that Evan Ferguson will challenge Robbie Keane's goal scoring record for Ireland I'm refusing to accept anything less than a 9 out of 10 <laughs> many goals is that many is Robbie get 67 Jesus Christ Oof, no, that's, no pressure uh, no, that's a huge pressure. Yeah, why not? Well, we know the qualities that he uh, that he has. Yeah, man, that's a. I, I can understand it. I can understand it because of what we've seen so far over the course of his career, if he stays injury free. Uh, hopefully so. Wow, that'd be great because if he comes close to that record, what will that mean? That'll mean qualification. You'd imagine for a number of ma- major ch- uh, championships along the way, and that's all that we want. But first and foremost, it's that Greece game. I take a couple of that uh, game over in Athens in June. I know that that'd be a good start. Great stuff, Kenny. Cheers, Nathan.